0: Blue Liar.
1: All right, welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always, my co-host Nick Filato. We're coming to you live and I'm going to wait for a few more people to join this chat, but we're coming to you live after the Giants week. One opener, dude, in a loss to the Dallas Cowboys, uh, 40 to nothing was the final score about as disastrous as it could have gone, Nick. We're going to try to dive into tonight what exactly happened, how that happened, you know, how you can have the expectations that we had going into the season and then have a game like that happen. Um Before we get into that, I wanted to discuss something, you know, earlier that I tweeted that I do honestly believe that sometimes things like this can happen in football where one play can, or a series of plays I should say can spiral yeah. into a loss like this. And Justin Pugh, former Giants player, talked about this on Twitter tonight. He discussed how, and he, has actually played the game, unlike us, and unlike anyone listening, really, for the most part. Um, exception, maybe a few of you who played in the NFL, maybe. I don't know if you're listening to this podcast, but you know, he said, look, I've been in this situation before, and a game like this doesn't always define a team. Sometimes when things start to spiral, they do spiral like that, and you have to throw the game plan out. And once you throw the game plan out, you are not playing to your best ability. And I think that happened with the Giants tonight, Nick. But also at the same time, it's not like the past where they shown some fight even in the Detroit game last year when they got blown out they showed a little bit of fight in that game and now the Giants Nick going into this have lost by a combined score of 78 to 7 over the last two football games both two division opponents uh one at home one on the road so that's where we're at right now are you hitting the panic button or where are you at with this I'm not hitting the panic button,
2: but I think it was a humbling experience. A lot of the talk around the New York Giants and even people like us is, did the Giants close the gap with the Dallas Cowboys? And I was like, I don't know if the gap is closing, but I think it's very narrow. It's not very narrow because I think you're right. There was a cascading effect after the Andrew Thomas false start really because it was like the Andrew Thomas false start then the JMS bad snap and then the blocked field goal for a touchdown but even then you're only down by six because numbnuts missed the field goal and then the Giants just could do nothing on offense because the same problem that has plagued the Giants for the last decade plus is still plaguing the Giants despite the fact that several general managers have poured several different assets into fixing that problem which is obviously protection in the offensive line. Because Daniel Jones was pressured on, I think it was over 60% of his dropbacks. And there were plenty of times where this kid got the football, hit his back foot, and there were like two guys right in his face. And Daniel Jones didn't look good despite that. But you're not going to have success when Evan Neal is struggling as bad as Evan Neal is. When Mark Lewinsky and the other guard position with Ben Bredesen is struggling as bad as they were. And Andrew Thomas seemed to be dealing with an injury. He wasn't on his A game. But the thing, and I'm sure we'll get into Evan Neal, I, I think we could probably start there, right? He's not just getting beat, Dan by Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons. It's getting beat by like Dorrance Armstrong and Dante Fowler Jr. You can't be having that, right? And it's, it's, um, I don't want to say I'm hitting the panic button on Evan Neal, but I'm hitting the panic button on Evan Neal before I'm hitting the panic button on the 2023 Giants. That's for certain.
1: Yeah, you said that perfectly. And just just to go back before we get into Neil about what you mentioned about Thomas, he initially got injured on the punt, blo- the kick return trying to make a tackle on the kick return touchdown. So it's just like unbelievable. All that happened because of a series of events where he took a false start on third and two in a situation where quite honestly, I think it was the NFL making up for what everyone saw on national TV on Thursday night football with the chiefs, right? Tackle consistently false starting. It looked like, and they didn't call it that game. And then they were, it feels like in this game, they were really focused on making sure they call that. Because if you're not going to call it in that Thursday night football game on the Chiefs right tackle, it doesn't really add up that you call it in that spot right there for Evan Neal. But what happened I mean, for Andrew Thomas, I'm sorry, but what happened was turns to third and seven, they missed that. Now they're selling for a field goal and now it's blocked return for a touchdown. Evan Neal gets injured on the return for a touchdown and all of a sudden the Giants are down six nothing out of nowhere. And it's just crazy how fast things change. They were dominant in that first series, despite not throwing the football more than once on that screen pass. And I agree with you. I'm not hitting the panic yet, but yet on the 2023 season. But the reality of the situation is this Glowinski might be toast. And that might be some situation where the Giants just turn away from him sooner than later. But if Glowinski's toast and Evan Neal is not taking the jump that we need, there's not really any solution for the Giants in 2023 to be, and I hate to say this, but to be a Super Bowl winning team. You can't win a Super Bowl if your right side of your offensive line can't protect, and that doesn't mean Evan Neal's done. I want to give him a little bit of time. We're going to get into the film this week and see what happened. I thought he had a good first series, and I thought things were trending well, and then all of a sudden you see him in pass protection, and it's back to the old problems that he had, and the issues I have with Evan Neal right now, Nick, are – it seems like a lot of what we saw last year has just carried over to this season. And you can talk all you want about training camp. Like I mentioned last week, training camp, we put a lot of credence in it as fans, the preseason, the joint practices where things are quote unquote looking good. But the reality is nothing compares to an actual football game. And in the actual football game, Neil will still look top heavy. He still looked off balance. He still looked slow, slow off his snap when things mattered. And that's the difference. Like in the game, you have to put it all together. It's not all just about what you practiced in the off season with Willie Anderson and, and, and whatnot. So I am very close to hitting the panic button on Evan Neal. I want to give it a little more time because there's no real option, but sometimes in the NFL, a bust is a bust. And if you, you know, look like this, you just don't end up making it at times. I mean, I'm trying to think of examples where it what took this long. Andrew Thomas Colton Miller. A half season. Who was it? Colton Miller, Colton yeah. Miller. But I think from what I've seen, Nick, lately, the film is it hasn't been that great with it hasn't been Miller. that great. Yeah. Garrett, he had Garrett Bowles played. with another one that, that took Kate, a little bit. Right. I feel like Bulls as well hasn't been really faring as well lately. It's just tough position to play. The issue for me, Nick, is I don't see any solution. Someone tweeted at me like the Giants better be like, looking on the wire, I see Justin Pews out there and blah, 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 like I, from some other old guy. Just like, dude, like the Texans are starting four new starters on the offensive line because they had so many injuries. Kenyon Green out for the year. The Titans, all sorts of new starters. The Rams at Detroit, like there are teams in much worse situation than the Giants. They would have called these guys already if they felt like they had the capability to play. And I just don't think a solution is on the waiver wire. So what scares me most, Nick, is more so not even about 2023. What scares me most is if they miss on Evan Neal at seventh overall, Yeah, they're right back to where they started at tackle. And it basically has to become their priority. And they have to hope that they get a draft pick where they can draft someone who's a blue chip, basically. Or they have to hope to hit on like a Darisaw later in the first round. But it becomes a situation where you have to move up back all your other needs, wide receiver one, whatever else you may be deem to be the needs to push forward this need. And that's not something the Giants can really afford at this stage of the rebuild.
2: No, they can't. You spent a
1: top 10 pick on Evan Neal. He's supposed to be that guy.
2: This is only the second season and we can sit here and we can make excuses. The front of Dallas is just insane, but it's what they were doing as well. And I don't have the all 22. So I'm kind of just going off broadcast. It just seemed like they would just slant and they would just go on indirect paths from where they were originally aligned, like a lot of twists and shit. And the Giants just could not pick any of that up. And no one could block Micah Parsons. By the way, Dallas was aligning their defensive front. The Giants kept trying to pull the backside guard to get the looping Micah Parsons, which was an absolutely terrible idea. I'll have to watch the film to see if there was any other remedy possible. But Mark Lewinsky and Ben Bredesen cannot be kicking out into space to go and locate Micah Parsons. What were there? At least two or three plays in that game where the Giants attempted that. And Micah Parsons made the Giants pay consistently. And then Daniel Jones was just taking hits all throughout the game, well into the fourth quarter too, because Dable kept them in. I'm sure I think Collinsworth might've mentioned this. It was probably Jones who was like, I want to stay in there. And I can definitely see Daniel Jones being that guy, but you have your newly paid $40 million quarterback just getting ass kicked back there late into a game where you're getting your ass kicked as a team. I'm glad the kid didn't come out injured, bro, but a wildly humbling Week one, I don't remember like such a deflating loss in a week one game, especially with the giants having the expectations that we rightfully or wrongfully put on ourselves.
1: And I think that's the last part that really makes the most sense. Your point there, Nick, the, the expectation we've had losses like this in week one before I feel like, or at least not as bad as 40, like, nothing, some of the, yeah, not as bad as that. But some of those Dallas Sunday night games were basically the same blueprint where like the, yeah. you couldn't get any kind of offensive rhythm going because the pass direction was so bad, which was basically essentially this game. Um, with the exception of not only that, but the defense really didn't sh- show up that much. And I don't know how much I want to blame the defense because they were good early and mm-hmm. then they just collapsed. But there were some moments where the defense really struggled as well in this game. Third down. In the run defense. They're down in a run defense mm-hmm. situations and in the red zone with Dak Prescott. I mean, Giants got lucky. A couple, a couple of the plays could have been caught or could have been not. There was an overthrow by Dak in the red zone that could have been a touchdown. And so like, it's really just that. It's the fact that the expectations were so high, but I want to touch on something you mentioned because it's something we saw last year, uh, Brian Dable. (laughs) <laughs> this is Gil Martinez says, are we skipping thank the offense? Alternative? I don't know if I can live through this again. The pain, this is like last year. This is like, reminds me of like 2021. We had to like bury the tape Nick, Um, during uh, those days. We're going to, we're going to do the all well, all 22 this week. We're going to come up with maybe something interesting that will appeal to you guys rather than like the typical way to do it. Because I know you guys don't want to just slog through all these plays as well. Um, So it makes sense, but we'll, we'll come up with something. And also Gil, thank you for, for, for donating to the page. We really appreciate that. But what scares me most Nick is like, I love Brian Dable, and this is not going to change that for me, this game. It really isn't because it's not smart to, to give up on a coach. But he repeated what we saw last year with the, the Dory Jackson decision. The decision to put a Dory Jackson on the punt return was not a good decision by any means. Not It, it wasn't a good decision before the fact. It wasn't a good decision, obviously, in hindsight, because you got your most valuable asset in the secondary injured. And after it happened, Brian Dable basically said, I have no regrets. This is football. In my mind, football is to be played. doesn't matter what the score is. doesn't matter what the situation is. You go out there, you play. You don't worry about the injuries. You hope you get lucky on that front. But bringing Daniel Jones back in a pouring rain game down 40 to nothing with backup offensive linemen after Andrew Thomas gets injured and goes out and Matt Perk gets injured, and they have to put Josh Azudu at left tackle to get hit three more times. It's inexplicable to me. I have no res. I don't care what he says. I don't care if he defends it. I don't care that Chris Collins said Daniel Jones wants to go back in. You're the coach. You tell Daniel Jones, no, these reps aren't worth it. And quite simply, I don't care what anyone says. Like, they need the reps. These aren't valuable reps. The Cowboys weren't trying at that point. They're not, va- they're fake reps. They're, they're preseason reps. The Cowboys have their third team defense out there. These aren't reps. There's nothing to be gained at that point. There just isn't. All that can happen is Jones gets hit, Jones gets hurt, Jones gets concussion. Anything, another injury to Andrew Thomas, another injury to somebody on the offensive line. Darren Waller's playing late into the game. Thankfully, they took him out for the forty nothing drive. But it's just, it's not. I don't care about the re- the explanation because they don't live in logic for me. There's no rationale that's logic based. It's just we need the reps. We're supposed to get the reps, but you know those aren't real reps. You want to bring him out for the third quarter, down thirty four nothing or whatever it was. Fine, I get it. Dallas still had their starters in. And Dallas played their starters, by the way, Nick, for a lot longer than I thought they should as well. I thought that was bad yeah. by Mike McCarthy. But yeah, go ahead.
2: I take exception to one thing that you said that Cowboys were trying not with their starters. But yeah, they were yeah. putting backups in there to feast. You had your art because right? they're exactly. going to deliver huge hits. Exactly. You have your arch rivals in there padding their stats against your first team offense. And they're laughing about it and joking about it on the sidelines in your house. After that off season, the giants had some of the most humble pie that has ever been served to giants nation. And you know what? Some of us deserve to eat it. Maybe I also don't think the giants are this bad. I don't think they're this embarrassing. I think this was the worst stone nuts. I don't really know what poker term that you you would use here, but the stone worst case scenario happened to the Giants. It was Murphy's law through and through. Everything went wrong. Even little stupid shit in the second half. Like Isaiah is like, oh, he caught a nice, that's like a 25. And then he fumbles the football. It's Sorry, just what? like, oh my God. Same thing with Matt Breida. Like the next drive, he catches fumbles, the football. And then when Tony Pollard fumbles in on the goal line, the ball like rolls to Tyler Biotis. He can like blow on it and dust it off and then fall on top. Nothing was going right for the New York Giants.
1: Nothing could go their way. And I want to ask you, when, when something like this happens, Nick, where you lose a game 40 to nothing like this. What is it? Is it simply just like bad momentum spiraling out of control? Or do you think like this game opened up some I some possible you know avenues for you to be worried about what's coming in this 2023 season? Like in your where do you feel after this?
2: I think it opens up those per, those avenues because the Dallas Cowboys have one of the best pass rushes. But if you look through the giant schedule, there are a lot of other teams with very good pass rushes. And if the Giants do get into these battles where they can't run the football and they have to drop back and Daniel Jones is getting killed because the right side of the offensive line can't pick up a simple stunt or twist. Yeah, I'm, that really worries me. Going to reserve my judgment to say, burn it all down and it's done. I think it was an absolute shit show. It was a terrible thing to witness for a team that you, you're high on, a team that you cover, a team that you're a fan of. I'm not throwing it away yet. I think the Giants, um, they could regroup in week two and hopefully rely on the coaching that they had success with last year. Humble. Humble pie, yeah.
1: bro. The part, the part, of me that worry that worries me, Nick, is the Giants came out early in this game. Obviously, had they, they had success, their most success on that first drive, um, one pass attempt, a lot of scrambles from Daniel Jones, a lot of good decisions there, some good play calls. I thought that third down run was really well designed yeah. by Mike Kafka and good lead block by that's Daniel right. Bellinger. Really good execution there.
2: It's a T formation, bro.
1: Yeah. It's high school. Something we haven't seen. Yeah. New wrinkles in the run game every week. We've discussed that. We like that. Um, and we're good, by the way, because I know a lot of fans are, are, are done with him <laughs> after one one game. They're blaming it all on Mike Kafka. But, you know, what concerns me, Nick, is they did that at the beginning. But after that, there were a lot of moments where the Giants tried to just run back some of the things they did so well last year with the boot action. And the Cowboys shut it down immediately. I think that's done. Yeah. I said that over the offseason. My biggest concern for the Giants, repeating what they did in 2022, is if you run back some of the similar stuff you put on film last year, now there's a lot more film. Everyone says it takes eight games of film, about eight games of film to, you know, to expose a quarterback or to expose a system. And now teams have, you know, 16, nine, 17 games of film and a full off season to work on it. Cowboys had months to prepare for this, to just take away the main thing the giants want to do. And that's, base everything off the boot action, get your quarterback on the run, have those things we discussed like in the preseason game where there's the two-way options. Jones is on the move. He can either run, he can either throw. But if you're going to do what the Seahawks did to the Giants and the Cowboys and the Eagles did to the Giants in those three games, those three recent games, It's over like that is over and the Giants need to retool and the Giants need to come up with something different. I know Mike Kafka is a smart enough guy to come back to the drawing board, but the issue I have Nick is a lot of the reason they did that last year is because they didn't trust Evan Neal and they didn't trust uh, uh, Mark Lewinsky and pass production. And if that remains what it was tonight, what are the options? Because you can't go back to the boot action game because now teams are going to be keying on it and exposing it, but you can't also just get rid of it and just drop back and pass because there's no time for the
2: quarterback the option is to run the football and you run it well, because if you run the football, that end man on the line of scrimmage, who was disciplined and staying on Daniel Jones against the Dallas Cowboys. He's going to be crashing down the line of scrimmage a little bit. And I, I put up a quote that someone that someone just said, and he's right. The giants, they averaged six yards per carry on their first two drives and they stopped running the football. They tried to get, more passing and a lot of horizontal stuff too. I felt like when they were running between the B and then like tight C gap runs and, and the some A gap runs that they did, they were able to generate a push. Like on the first drive, Chris Collinsworth was like, oh, Dallas Cowboys rush defense sucks still. He was basically saying that. And it seemed that way because Saquon Barkley was breaking off like five, six a pop. Matt Breida had a nice run. And then Daniel Jones was also making them pay for moving so much when his first read wasn't there. And the Giants just stopped doing that. And they stopped relying on the run and they stopped running the football. I'd never thought I would see sit here and advocate like hey we got to run the football more but i think that's what you might have to do and i i believe that the giants would throw to set up the run but they attempted to do that through a lot of this game and that just absolutely did not work dan and yeah you have to if you want to get those play action boots you have to start rushing running the football successfully and making that end man
1: line of scrimmage crash You're right. And that's something we might see next week against Arizona, a very run heavy game plan for the giants, because it might be all they can put together for a game like that. And I think that's a great point brought up. I'm sorry. I forgot your name. I I missed the name when it came up in the comments, but I do appreciate the point. And it's something that I said right at the time on Twitter, because I felt like, and I said, look, it's not me. It's not typical Dan Schneier analysis, but I think this is a game where the giants have to run the ball. They have to milk the clock. They, Mm -hmm. They can't you know, and, and the problem is I felt like after that kick return, block kick return for a touchdown by the Cowboys, it almost felt like, and this is kind of goes into what Justin Pugh was saying. And I was talking about earlier, how games can spiral felt like on the very next series, Nick down six, nothing, giants completely went away from everything they did on the first series, went into the gun through three times right away and like abandoned that run immediately. And that led to that final play where, I mean, you're in third and long and the Giants have to stop doing this because this is the second time I saw this happen. I saw this happen last year. I believe it was against the Colts or one of those teams where Jones threw underneath the Hodgins. He got blasted and he fumbled. And there's just nothing to gain from that underneath-throated Barkley right into the contact. Like, just throw the ball out of bounds or run it toward the sideline then throw it out of bounds. Uh, obviously, don't run it toward the sideline. Throw it across your body for an interception. Like he did on that one play that was, yeah, that was bad wild. Jones. That was rookie year Jones. Yeah. And you guys could be listening and the homers might listen to this and be like, Oh my God, they're being so harsh on Dalen Jones. Guys, if you can't criticize that throw and that decision, you got to find a new page and you got to find a new team and you got to find a new hobby. Cause that means you can't criticize anything anyone ever does at the quarterback position. If you love them, cause that's a really bad decision. We got to just call it a call. But the point is like on that play, I don't love throwing it into Bar- Barkley into contact there. I get it. Like they're trying to set up a screen. They're trying to set up like an underneath throw that maybe Barkley can break, but then the ball has to be out quicker. And that could be on Kafka. I'm not saying this is on Jones. I don't know who that's on, but the point is on that series, like they went away from the run immediately. They went past, past, pass. It felt like it just spiraled. It was like the game was only six, nothing, but in their minds, it felt like it was 24, nothing. And the game was already out of hand. And I thought that was a little bit uh, of a negative on Mike Kafka and Brian Dable. And that's not something we were very, you know, we said it maybe one, two games last year. We felt like those guys did a poor job. I would say that, you know, as much as we like Kafka and Dable, this was not a good game from them. And we had to call <laughs> that out as well, right? That's not of being either. Like they had a bad game. They went away from the run early. They fe- felt like they hit the panic button early. They left the starters in way too long in this game. And they're dealing with a lot of injuries right now, Nick. Graham Gano headed to the x ray room after this game. Deontay Banks, I hope that's just a cramp. I don't know. Uh, Andrew Thomas, this could be epically bad, right? And there was one more injury as well that, I, that I'm not remembering right now, too. So just it, it was a tough one.
2: And that's not even bringing up the operational errors that the Giants coaching staff had. They had to burn two timeouts. I think it was yep. in the first quarter. It definitely was in the first half when the game was somewhat competitive because they didn't have the play call out fast enough and then have the personnel situated. So you're having errors on the sideline where it's not all clicking and it's not it's not all in sync and it's causing the team to burn timeouts and then this product happens where the giants didn't just lose they got dominated on all three phases They got dominated in special teams it got dominated on offense it got dominated on defense like you lost all three phases cleanly to a team that we we're expecting the giants to compete with in terms of the wild card race cowboys could win this division though too like we shouldn't rule them right. out of that the eagles lost both of their coordinators and they were really a healthy football team dallas with that defense and their offense looked fine. They didn't really do too much. But with that defense, Dan, it's they're they're a true Super Bowl contender,
1: man. I felt like their defense looked great, but I didn't really feel like I learned that much about Dallas offense. The Giants they didn't have to you know, do anything. They had, they had exactly. They didn't have to do anything. They had like a mistake where they, Got picked on that rub route with with uh, Lamb early in the game for a big play. They gave up some runs, but that felt like it was mostly after the game was out of hand. And who knows, you know, at that point from an effort standpoint, where these players are at mentally, it's hard to be locked in and focused down thirty six nothing. I'll be honest, like a thirty nothing, whatever it was at. Exactly. So, like, I don't really feel like I learned that much about Dallas in this game, which is an even bigger problem for me, Nick, because it's like Giants lose a game forty nothing, and you don't even you're not even sure it's against the Super Bowl contender. I'm agree with you, maybe they are the Cowboys you're right like they showed out great that defense looked great but how much of that defense was them looking great or how much it was the Giants offensive line just being absolutely miserable but I do think you brought up a really good point about the Giants weren't really prepared for this game some people have credited that Nick to them not playing the starters much in the preseason um, and other people have credited it to the Giants having more of an easier laissez-faire type of training camp where you know the focus was more on let's not get guys injured what are your thoughts on how much of an impact that has on week one
2: I honestly don't really know too much. Yeah. Judging by the product, yeah, I'm willing to listen to any argument somebody has. The laissez-faire thing, I, I understand. I also understand why the Giants were doing it. They're trying to prevent hamstring injuries for guys like Darren Waller. But when you go out and you lay an egg this freaking massive, this big, yeah, I think anybody is allowed to question that and not receive any sort of criticism because, think about it, Giants got embarrassed. 40, a 40-burger. 40 at home, dude. Like, it, yeah, that infuriates me, man. Like, <laughs> it uh, painful. it's something, dude. It's painful. It really is. We all got to commiserate together here. And hopefully, the Giants can turn the page quickly and get to Arizona and win that football game. But Arizona competed against Washington. It wasn't because they were really affected on offense. I think they had a defensive touchdown on a strip sack of Sam Howe. But the Giants don't come out blasting in that game, dude. Oof.
1: Yeah, it's not good. I think my my thought on the debate about Dable's uh, soft camps and, and kind of the preseason decisions from a playing st- time standpoint, Nick, is what about last year, right? The Giants won week one against the Titans and they had a very similar schedule in the preseason and in training camp. The focus yeah. remained on not getting them injured. So it's not something I really put credence in. And I know, you know, Andy Reid doesn't play as starters in the preseason. You know, some of these, and they lost. So that's probably not the best example. They lost week one. But a lot of these teams have also decided not to do that. Um, let's take this question from Ricky. Uh, wow. This is, is this an Italian oh, man name you of? went for, it. you could have just said Ricky. Yeah, just Ricky. I'm just going with Ricky. Is that Italian name? Nick? I'm honestly not sure. I mean, I it doesn't know. end in a vowel, I so I'm not no. I just Ricky, let me know. Ricky, let us
2: know if you're Italian,
1: bro. Yeah. He kind of looks Italian in that picture, but Ricky says one to 10. And by the way, Ricky, thank you for donating to the podcast and for supporting us. I really do appreciate that. One to 10. How worried are we with this pass rush? Ojalari and Tibbs just doesn't feel like either have that much juice off the edge. Uh, thank you for your service. Thank you. Thank you, Ricky. So um, let, let me know, Nick, you answer that one first. One I'm going to go with
2: a three or a four. So I'm not overly worried. Dak Prescott was getting the football out of his hands super quick. And it just didn't seem like the Cowboys were ever in they weren't in a lot of situations where they had to throw the football and the Giants were able to dial up the pressure. It seemed like everything was quick with them. Everything that Dallas threw was quick or they were just running the football because, again, they didn't really have to do that much because their defense and their special teams put them in a position where they were up 16 without really having – any snaps, like I tweeted something about how time of possession is irrelevant in this game. The Giants dominated time of possession. They got their asses absolutely kicked because it's not, that stat obviously needs context. So I would say a three or four. I would like, you know, maybe a little bit more. There was like maybe two plays where I was like, oh, shit. Oh, Jalardi or Thibodeau around. And then Dak Prescott has a really quick release and got rid of the football
1: yeah i'm gonna go with 2.5 here ricky i think nick nailed this one this is not a good game to judge the pass rushers because the dallas cowboys were up by so much oh he is not italian there you go i knew i was right about that dallas cowboys were up by so much that they didn't have to run that many true pass that's like nick said and they didn't really like think about the third and 12 the one that i i, I thought was a bullshit pass interference call like oh yeah get it? like hawkins put his hand on the guy for a second but like He didn't redirect the guy at the receiver at all. But on that play, the Giants got pretty good pressure, I felt like. And Dak Prescott was forced to throw the football deep because he had no real other options. Everything that he wanted, all the solutions for the first down in the intermediate range, Giants took away. He just said, F it. I'll throw it up deep. Maybe I'll get a pass interference call. He did. Um, The game was still a game at that point. I think it was like 16-0. It was still possible if the Giants forced a punt. But I didn't feel like this was a good game for it. I'll start to worry about that one a little more uh, maybe next week against the Cardinals because that should be a game where this Giants pass rush is a really good game. I will say this, though, Ricky, I was a little disappointed with the interior Giants defensive line in this game. Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, all the players there, because that was to me where this matchup could have been won and lost for the Giants and the Cowboys, because the Cowboys were without um, Tyler Smith. Their star left guard, they had injuries. Tyron Smith wasn't playing fully healthy. Their left tackle. There seemed to be a opportunity for this Giants defensive front to dominate. And Nick and I spent a lot of time this off season discussing how excited we were for the Giants defensive line and how that could have been the biggest, you know, best unit for them in 2023. And right now after week one against the banged up Gi- uh, Cowboys offensive line, that simply was not the case, Nick. And that's definitely pretty scary. It's very scary.
2: It seemed like Zach Martin was kind of doing whatever he wanted with Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, which I hate to say. I mean, Zach Martin it's going to go down as one of the best guards to play, especially in this recent era. But there wasn't that much interior pressure. And honestly, when it comes to the defense, it's, it's a little bit difficult to, to I don't know, judge them somewhat. Just like, they didn't give up the first touchdown. That was a special team's touchdown. They didn't give up the second touchdown. They were in a hole, and it was just like, go out there. And their offense was just kept going three and out or turning the football over, watching their quarterback get their absolute ass kicked. And then down the stretch of the game, they looked kind of bad. I'm not going to sit here and say they gave up, but people can come to their own conclusions, because there were a couple runs down the stretch of the game where I was like, I don't love seeing that. You see like Turpin score a touchdown. You're like, what the heck's going on here? But yeah, I'm not going to sit here though at the same time though and say that it doesn't bother me a little bit that the pass rush was invisible. We need the Giants pass rush to step it up. There's way too much talent on that defensive line and in the edge room or at least potential talent for them not to at least harass Dak Prescott. It just seemed like Dak Prescott barely broke a sweat.
1: Yeah, and I think I think you made a good point, Nick. While at the same time, us it, the the main point here is they really didn't have to do much, right? They didn't have too many true pass sets. It was it was a really good spot for the Cowboys. It was a nice, you know, that's as good. That's what we wanted for the Giants, right? Daniel Jones not to have to take too many true pass sets, just an easy win where you don't have to risk injury and you and and you get out with a W. But that didn't happen. Um, before we get into any more questions, Nick, I do want to give an update here. Um, apparently, according to was it? I think it was Charlotte. Uh, what's, no, according to Pat Trina, according to Patty Trina and Charlotte Carroll, Andrew Thomas has an injured hamstring and he will be getting an MRI on Monday for it. He says he stuck it out for as long as he could. And I'll be honest with you, Nick, that bothers me because, and it, it did, uh, there was confirmation that he did, you know, look like he got injured on that kickoff on that kick return, Touchdown by the Cowboys, which is also equally devastating. Like, I don't even know if I need him on special teams, to be honest, in general. And that play would have never happened if not for that false start, probably. So these things suck. But let me just say this. I don't know that I needed him gutting it out there with a potentially injured hamstring, potentially making it worse. In a game that was lost by halftime. Like, I don't love these decisions by Dable. I just don't. And I love Dable. But this specific thing that he does with the injured players and with the lack of like care for like it's football. Maybe they'll get injured, but you got to put him out there. You don't have to put Andrew Thomas out there the whole like, yeah, you put him out for the next series. Obviously, it's still a six-nothing game. But by the time he gets a 23 nothing and 30 to nothing by halftime, like or whatever it was, 23 or 30, I don't remember what it was at half. That's it. You pull him. You don't keep trotting him out there and making the hamstring worse. Because if this MRI comes back bad tomorrow, we're never going to know if it would have been as bad if he didn't play for the remainder of that game and try to gut it out for no real reason because the game was freaking over. And I'm sick and tired of these guys playing in these meaningless games, like the meaningless times of the games, because that's when Wando Robinson tore his ACL last year. That's when Daniel Jones is taking 70,000 hits in the game. Your $160 million quarterbacks out there getting pummeled, play after play after play for what? For what? For reps? These aren't valuable. Uh, these ro- reps aren't valuable enough to risk this. And if Andrew Thomas's injury now is serious as hamstring injury, that's kind of it. Like, they could maybe come back and have a good second half and make the playoffs as a wild card. But you're not winning a lot of games with Andrew Thomas not in this lineup. That's the fact of the matter. It's bad enough on the right side. And I hate to say it because I don't want to doom and gloom us. But, like, let's be honest. We all know how invaluable Andrew Thomas is to this team. So we'll see what happens on that front, Nick, but that was not a report I'd like to read. Didn't Matt Parrot
2: go down at the end of
1: the game too? Did, and they had to put in a Zudu as so, left tackle.
2: Exactly, so who would end up playing left tackle if Andrew Thomas can't even play week two against a team that you have to beat at this point?
1: Who knows? And this leads me to my next question for you, Nick, by the way. I want to ask you, what are your thoughts right now? Because this is another thing that keeps firing into my replies and this is something everybody wants to vent about and understand. What are your thoughts on Bobby Johnson at this point? And where are we at with Bobby Johnson? A lot of fans are calling for his head. What are your thoughts here? You know, Who's responsible in, my, in your mind for these players developing? One, and who's and is it the offensive line coach or is it on them? And two, who's responsible when a game looks this bad on the offensive line? Again, is it the players or is it the coach? That's my question for you. It's I think it's both. It's both the players and the
2: coach. But again, once I get the film, I can really probably do a better job breaking this down. But it seemed like it was just a lot of Dallas just twisting and slanting, and the Giants not having a remedy to it. The Giants running into each other. We saw Mark Lewinsky and Evan Neal like collide on a a twist attempt and ended up in one of the seven sacks that Daniel Jones suffered. So I fully understand why there's a lot of people who are calling for Bobby Johnson's head. When the unit looks that bad after you pour the assets in that you did, yeah, calling for someone's head makes a lot of sense. I will say this though too. If Evan Neal doesn't take a developmental step, you can look at Bobby Johnson and say maybe that is his fault, but maybe he's also just not the prospect that we all thought he was. And there is a different gap in talent between Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, and even freaking Dorrance Armstrong, which pisses me off. And what the giants were playing on the offensive line. It's not something that I, that I want to admit, but Evan Neal was getting beat bad by those guys, not Micah, the other ones. And I'm like, why is that happening?
1: And I think it's happening. We'll see it on the film. So we'll have a better idea after that. But I think what's happening is the same issues that we saw as rookie season. These are related to him, not the coaching maybe necessarily. I mean, look, that's not always true. Sometimes these coaches are so good at their job. Like, think about what the job that Stoutland did with Jordan Maiorata, yeah. right? Like, this you're taking a ball of clay and you're molding him into a great left tackle and one of the best in the NFL. But maybe the thing we never really considered there, Nick, was it was easier to mold a player like that because he was so moldable. He didn't have any bad past mm-hmm. bad habits that maybe Neil gotten away with right being a dominant player at the high school level given his size and even to some extent being a dominant player at Alabama given his size right like again we've talked about this in the past but even SEC edges are not anywhere near what you're facing at the NFL level and you may be able to get away with things and build bad habits in the time doing so versus again a guy like Maialotti you could just be molded so I wonder how much of this is Bobby Johnson's quote-unquote fault or responsibility and how much is it the player and I am definitely worried. Like going into season, Nick, I had optimism for Evan Neal. I did. I just felt like he's too good of a prospect. We the film at Alabama was too good. But you know who else had good film in college? Clyde edwards alaire and he's nothing in the NFL because the speed of the game is too fast for him, and he can't get through the creases. And that's happened with a lot of players. You can be really good at the college level, even at the SEC level, and it does not always translate. I'm not saying that's the case for Neal. And there yeah. are options if he continues to struggle, right? They can eventually move him to right guard potentially. Obviously, there's an opening there. Mark Lewinsky is done here after this year, but it's hard to look this game, look at this game, and be like, "I'm not a little concerned with Evan Neal. I'm not a little concerned with Bobby Johnson as well." Because, like you said, it's both responsibility falls on both.
2: It absolutely falls on both. It falls on Mark Lewinsky. It falls on Ben Bredesen. And who's the coach of all that? Bobby Johnson. JMS too, by the way. I didn't think he was that good in this game either. There were times I thought he was overwhelmed. Yeah, I have I have to look and, and see yeah. from, from a taper. It's hard to judge off the broadcast. But overall, the Giants didn't protect Daniel Jones. That was pretty f- obvious. So we can yeah. say that the protection failed. And if there's one coach to blame for that, not being the head coach or the offensive coordinator, it's obviously going to be Bobby Johnson. So the Giants knew what they were getting themselves into with this game. You know you have Micah Parsons. You know you have Dan Quinn. You know you have Demarcus Lawrence. You know you have one of the better pass rush coming in, and they still didn't have any
1: answer once they faced a little bit of adversity. You're right, Nick. And one thing that really bothered me about tonight's game, and I'm just I'm laughing to to mask the pain at this point, but one thing that did bother me is like it's been a decade plus, we're still not picking up stunts. The Cowboys have been running these games up front, these twists and stunts, for like a decade against the Giants. And at some point, that comes like to me, I almost feel like that's more on the coaching. Like you have to figure out a way to But maybe it's not. Maybe it is just communication between the the linemen. I don't know.
2: Staying on script, too. If you get in these third and long situations, you can allow them to send four with their dominant personnel that they have. And then they don't care about their run fits. They're just going to rush and and twist and stunt and exchange their gaps but if you run the football and they try that you can catch them off guard and you can have Saquon Barkley breaking into the second and third level of their defense but you can't do that when you fall behind and that's one of the reasons why and I'm not again we're not a podcast it's like yo we got to run the football man we're not really like that but sometimes you got to run the football especially if you want to slow down and temper the opposing pass rush which it was pretty obvious in the first quarter the Giants needed to do that that was a priority and they failed to do so What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? I'm excited for the football season for several reasons. And one of those reasons is Prize Picks, which is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform. And it's so simple to use. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals, sharks, and people who are going to exploit you, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you just watch the winnings roll in. It's very simple to play and gives you a little extra skin. I've set my picks in less than 60 seconds. There are so many stats to choose from, and the withdrawals of funds are easy and quick. Dan and I will be adding a segment to our show before every game where we pick our favorite stats, more or less yards or touchdowns, what have you, and we'll be discussing why from a scheme, matchup, and game theory perspective. I love their promotions and how easy their interface is to operate at prize picks. I may select more on tackles for a loss from Bobby Okereke or Kayvon Thibodeau next game. They also do other sports as well. It's a really cool experience. Please join Dan and I in the fun of Prize Picks. Go to PrizePicks.com/slash/banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Again, go to PrizePicks.com/slash/banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. You will not regret it.
1: This is Dan Schneider, the Big Blue Banter podcast. In case you didn't know. The show you're listening to right now is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts will be more successful if they work together. And now Blue Wire currently has 300 shows with athletes, celebrities, passionate fans like myself. I found Blue Wire right around the time when I started the Big Blue Banter podcast. When I started Big Blue Banter in 2018, I had an idea for a show, a name for a show, and then I had to figure out how to monetize that show and grow that show. That's when I found Bluewire. Kevin Jones put everything on the line for this company and then found us in this show a way to monetize the content with strategy sessions, provided us new segments, connect us with podcasters, and even gave us an opportunity to record in the Win Vegas studio. Bluewire has now raised over $10 million privately to grow and operate the business. And they're raising another round right now on WeFunder to expand the sales team and improve the operations. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It gives everyone an opportunity to be a part of the growing startup. This is not a donation. You're investing to own a piece of BlueWire. If you would like to be a part of the BlueWire investment round, or you want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash BlueWire. And remember, supporting BlueWire is another way to support our show and this podcast. Nick, you ever been in the spot where you just felt like, I've got a few hours to go. I'm going to this game. I'm buying tickets. I don't have the tickets yet. You're stressing. The anxiety is at an all-time high. You're trying to figure out what the heck you can do to get to this game. That happened to me a few years ago when the Wisconsin Badgers made the Sweet 16 game in the Madison Square Garden. My dad, diehard Badgers fan, the reason I went to Wisconsin, the reason I am a Badgers fan, I needed to get him tickets for that game. It was his birthday. So I'm stressing. I don't know what to do. And then, boom, I figure it out. I use the GameTime app. The GameTime app is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and anything near you. They got killer deals, last-minute tickets. You click open the app, and you're shocked to see that you can actually go to these games having a good time and not actually have to pay so much money that it breaks your bank account.
2: Stanley Cup final week one this past season. I used the game time app last second. It was actually past the time of puck drop. Went on the app. I was in Vegas, saw the Vegas Golden Knights defeat the Florida Panthers. And I also used the game time app to buy my entire family when they came out here to Phoenix to visit me to see Tom Segura's special, which is actually the same special Netflix used for their
1: videotapings. And I love it because you can find so much on the app. Like you get an actual image of the season view not like you're buying a seat with an obstructive view it's an actual image you know what you're getting Lowest prices that I've seen by far, and that's their guarantee. You get event cancellation protection, job loss protection. They go all out here to make sure that this is a great experience for the user. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code BANTER. That's B-A-N-T-E-R for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code BANTER. B-A-N-T-E-R for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. You're right, Nick. And it's it's a failure in all levels. This game, it was incredibly disheartening. I just can't believe that this happened, to be completely honest with you. I just didn't see this coming whatsoever. And now the Giants have to just find a way to turn the page, and they have to figure out a way to put this behind them. I don't know at this point what, what they can do to mask the offensive line issues except just have better matchups right like it's not gonna be dallas every week that's the good news but the problem is you got to beat dallas you got to beat philly to make it anywhere in this nfc uh, niners as well but the giants didn't really play last year then did not play last year I should say they got to
2: show something too. going into week two against a very beatable Arizona team. Like you just got embarrassed at home. Like we need to see how you respond to that type of embarrassment. Ice Mike 6969 says the Giants are officially eliminated from playoff contention. We need to draft six offensive linemen, 2024 draft exclamation point. Ice Mike, thank you so much for the $5 donation. You're the man. And yes, I would say 10 offensive linemen if they can figure <laughs> out a way to get 10 draft picks.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is also the problem, right? Like, everyone talks about this and discusses it but i feel like the giants have made a pretty concerted effort to try to improve their offensive line and i don't think they're the only team that's poured assets into this that's failed like this is the state of the nfl it's really hard to develop an offensive line and it's really hard to develop not only a specific you know an overall group on the offensive line but even these individual offensive linemen so it's like yes they can draft more and like i talked about earlier mike and again thank you so much for donating uh, obviously, as, you, as you've you probably noticed on these live shows, anyone who donates, we'll try to answer it. We will answer your question for sure, um, but these are still going to be mostly recap podcasts where Nick and I discuss the game, our quick reactions, quick takeaways. But you can continue to draft it, and like I said, it now becomes the priority number one if Neil doesn't improve this year, and that's right tackle. It, to me, is more important than wide receiver one. It's more important than edge. It's more important than j- literally anything on the roster at this point because nothing happens if the offensive line, as we have saw tonight, and we've seen countless times in the past, you don't need Jerry Rice and Jerry, you know whoever Jerry name every good receiver in the history of the NFL. It doesn't even matter. You, know, you went with the
2: second Jerry, good wide receiver. Is uh, there a
1: second good? I was thinking, like for some reason, I was thinking about Julio Jones, and then oh. I said I was going in the direction of Jerry Judy because I went Jerry Rice, and I was like, I'm not going to say Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy's not a mean... receiver, like not that Jerry. level receiver.
2: I wish you were going to say Jerry Jones, like a part of me thinks because like, yeah. you were saying Jerry and you were thinking Julio That's Jones,
1: maybe state in my head after a game like tonight that I might actually say something like Jerry Jones. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. You know, I feel like that part of why the Cowboys had their starters out there so long, which again puzzled me is like, I think back to last year, I forgot the team. It was I think It was the Vikings. They blow out and they had their starters in late in that game too. I think the Cowboys are one of those teams that likes to pour it on and like, likes to like get the blowout number to be bigger. And so Honestly, like they're lucky they didn't get a major injury. Obviously, we're hoping at the same time, this Andrew, again, this Andrew Thomas thing, MRI tomorrow on the hamstring, it can't be anything, quite frankly. The Giants cannot afford this whatsoever. Uh, we'll see nope. what happens there. But but yeah, man, it's just the receivers don't matter if the offensive line doesn't protect. So I agree with your main point here, Mike. I appreciate it, Ice Mike. And look, they'll have to prioritize it in the draft because you don't typically find offensive linemen in free agency.
2: Frank Nardi, thank you so much for the donation. He didn't leave a question, so if you want a question, please put it in, and I'll put it up real quick. You might be like many of the other people who are listening to this right now and just say, I appreciate what you do, but I don't even want to talk about this game. Let's turn the page. Unfortunately, we have to talk about it, and Dan and I will be going over the film, something to do with the film on offense and defense to try to sort through what the hell exactly happened between uh, the Cowboys and the Giants because, dude, that was a
1: fiasco it was and you guys can let us know by the way through through the through the next uh maybe 24 48 hours we'll probably record both film ones on Tuesday just what you specifically want to know like obviously we're going to most likely default to expect expect expecting that you guys want a breakdown of the offensive line and what happened there that's going to be my main focus when I'm watching the film nick i'm also going to focus on the play calling and the play design those are where i'm at but i know separation some, too separation. Separation. I was just gonna yeah. say, I know some people also kept asking me, you know, what's going on here? Is it just offensive line or is it the receivers are not getting open? So we will look at Slade and we will look at Hyatt, we look at all these receivers and see what kind of separation they created as well.
2: Peter, thank you so much for the 999 donation. You got a serious question here. If this season goes sideways and you are somehow in a position to draft Caleb or May, that's Caleb Williams and Drake May, two really good quarterbacks. Do you pull the trigger? Yes.
1: Yeah, you're going to expand on that, or you're just saying yes with that?
2: No, I think it's that simple. I think, yes, if you're in a position to draft, the Giants are that bad because you would need a top three pick to be in that position. The Giants are that terrible. Something bad happened to Jones or he got injured, regardless of the fact, and that sucks for Daniel Jones, and he there's some utility, obviously, in Daniel Jones. He's proven that throughout his NFL career. But if you're in that position and you already ate the, the shit that you had to eat to get there, yeah, you absolutely su- select one of those two quarterbacks, whoever you like better.
1: It's a good question. I think the only way the Giants can be in that position. So I'll start by saying this, Nick. I think the the easy answer, the obvious answer for me is yes, if it's Caleb Williams. I need to watch more Drake May before I say that. So yes, Caleb Williams, I've seen enough. I, I said this to my other friend. Uh, I said this on Fantasy Football Today podcast. Jamie Eisenberg made the point that no matter what the Colts, how bad they finish this year, they're not going to draft. They shouldn't draft and they're not going to draft Caleb Williams. They have to go with Anthony Richardson. It's developmental year. And Adam and me were like, that's crazy. If you get the number one pick, you trade Anthony Richardson, you take Caleb Williams. The same is true for the Giants. The same is true in my mind for like basically every team, but four or five in the NFL. That's how good of a prospect Caleb Williams is. And you don't miss on that opportunity. Not only are you taking the chance on, Quite frankly, one of the best prospects entered the draft in a while. And obviously you're seeing now what's happening with Trevor Lawrence, the last great prospect entry, starting to really come into his own, but also you're then getting him on the rookie contract where you're clearing all your cap space. Of course, a big thing there is the giants would have to find a trade partner for Daniel Jones, if that were the case. But honestly, as serious as that question may be, I don't think there's still any opportunity for the giants to finish with the number one overall pick. The only way that could happen Daniel Jones gets injured for the year um, and he's a tough dude. I don't really, I mean, look, you could get bad luck ACL at any point it's the NFL or Achilles or whatever it may be. There are season ending type injuries that are just pure luck, but it would have to, it, that's the only way that could ever happen. So, so I don't foresee that really happening. I agree with you. I don't think it's going to happen, but in that scenario, if it did, then yes,
2: the Gi- giants would pull the train. We got one more question here from Jordan. Jordan, thank you so much. Thomas getting hurt is the worst thing about the game for me. I hope it isn't too serious. Not necessarily a question, but a statement, and a statement that I believe Dan and I both agree with. Look, if it was just you got embarrassed, it's one of those things that you kind of just take, and you, you'll always remember. you would be like, remember that time the Giants got the rap? Oh, man, that's terrible. Losing, possibly losing Andrew Thomas for any amount of time is arguably the what? It's a top three loss for the Giants. It's like Daniel Jones. Like, I don't want to sit here and put value on the players, but Daniel Jones is probably the Jordan, biggest Thomas loss. Lawrence. And then Andrew Thomas, probably too, right?
1: Thomas or Lawrence too. But I think given the situation and, and the lack of depth behind it versus the lack of depth of D tackle, which we obviously have some options, it is Thomas too, just given that yeah. situation. Yeah. So, yeah, so. It's Jones, Thomas and look, just to follow up on your comment again, I'll reiterate this because it means a lot to me. You got a player injured already after that kickoff play in the first quarter with eight minutes to go, and you're grinding him out there down 33-0 despite the fact that he's already injured. That's on you. That's a bad decision by the coach. I won't hear anything about it. You can complain all you want. Call me a hater all you want. I don't give an f because you don't do that. You don't make that mistake. You want to put out the guys who aren't injured yet, Daniel Jones, which I don't agree with either, Darren Waller, anyone I don't agree with, quite frankly. And some people are like, you can't just – Give up on the game. Yes, you can. It's 33 nothing. You do give up on the game, okay? It's over. What's more important is staying healthy for the rest of the season. There's a 17-game season. You don't just go out there and say, just do it. you got to play. you got to do it. You can't give up. It's sending the wrong message. You know what's the worst message? Not having Andrew Thomas out there, being forced to put Josh Azudu at the left tackle position. I know you're standing back, Nick, because I'm yelling at this point, but I just hate these people who say that because it doesn't make any sense to me. If Andrew Thomas's injury got worse by him playing in this game, that's on the coach. And I don't care because that's more important than them getting reps.
2: Oh, I love the fact that you just went on a Dan rant. Dan rants are some of my favorite, and that's a good one. And you know what? This might have been the first Dan rant about the coaching staff because we bitched and complained about the Adoree Jackson decision. But I don't think we got a Dan rant. So now we get a Dan rant. And I appreciate it. And I think you're right, man. I do, especially if they were aware. I mean, I'm, I'm imagine they have a doctors. They have a whole process, but I don't want to mess with these hamstrings, especially not when it's 33 nothing. But if Daniel Jones, if they didn't want to take Daniel Jones out, maybe they were like, we want Andrew Thomas in there because we don't want to put Matt Parrot in there. Maybe that's where their heads were at. But at this point, it's like, when are you going to just wave the white flag?
1: Like you're beat. You're beat. Yeah, you just take the L sometimes. Yeah, it's more important to keep your guys healthy. And yeah, they have a process, Nick. I'm sure. Obviously, they're not idiots, but. Part of that process, as you mentioned, or uh, that Chris Collins said at least, was let the quarterback decide that I want to come back into the game, right? And yeah, as Daniel Downing said, and I talked about this on Twitter, Burrow was taken out early today. Great decision. Great decision by them. Why the hell would you risk Burrow going back out there? And I bet Burrow might have not been pulled if it weren't for the fact that he's already playing with an injury after injuring himself early in training camp. Andrew Thomas playing an injury in this game, you take him out. you just bottom blind. And guess what? If you don't feel comfortable with Matt Pear at left tackle, I wish I had a hole in one side guy, Bri. but if you don't feel comfortable with Matt paired at left tackle protecting Daniel Jones, and that's why you're putting Thomas out there, guess what? It's time for Tyrod Taylor, or it's time to put Jones in and just hand the freaking ball off and call it a day. I don't care. You're down 33, nothing. This isn't the Vikings versus the Colts. This is the Dallas Cowboys. They're not the Colts. You're not coming back down 33, nothing in this game. You're just not. They're no signs of it. The Vikings showed signs of it in that game. They were playing a horrific team coached by an idiot, Jeff Saturday, who should have never been a head coach. Obviously, that's not the case here. You're coaching against Mike McCarthy and a potential Super Bowl team, as Nick said earlier. And we'll see about that. But they look like it tonight, obviously, at least on the defense side of the ball. So I have no I have no I'm not going to defend Dable at all in that regard. I'm just going to sit here, go to sleep after this, Nick, and hope that Andrew Thomas wakes up with a good MRI, because if not, we're absolutely screwed. We just are. I can't say anything else to make us feel better about it. There is no option. If Dexter Lawrence went down, there is at least an option that makes me feel okay. All right. You can put in Nacho. You can have a rotation there. It's not going to be the end of the world. I don't know what you do if Andrew Thomas is hurt, especially as you mentioned, if Parrott is also hurt, like dear God. Think about that. Think about that situation, Dan.
2: We're sitting here being like, Oh my God, if Matt Parrott's hurt, like that's where we're at right now in terms of the depth of the New York Giants
1: offensive line. And I don't know if I can blame anyone for that, though, Nick. I just feel like this is the state of the NFL. I was listening to Field Yates talk on uh, one of the podcasts I listened to, Nick. I can't remember which one now. And Field Yates was talking about, like, you know, what they asked him, like, what are some big takeaways around the NFL? What are you hearing in NFL circles? Things like that. He's very connected. He's like the state of offensive lines around the NFL is as bad as it's been in as long as he can remember. And that's what every general manager is talking about. Every NFL circle is just talking about how bad offensive line depth is across the NFL. It makes it crazy, though, when you consider what the Cowboys and Eagles have done, which is continue to draft no matter how good they were on the offensive line. And that's why they're in the position where they're in, where uh, Tyler Smith's out tonight. And it looks like they're no worse for the wear, despite losing Tyler Smith tonight and Tyron Smith playing through an injury. No worse for the wear. Meanwhile, the Eagles, you know, they have backups right now they could put right in and feel good about on the offensive line. So, you know, at some point, the Giants just have to keep doubling down on the line, in my opinion. Like, don't even worry about the skilled players. Like, just get this line fixed first. Figure this thing out. It's what we've been trying to do
2: for at least a decade now, it seems like, and it's just not working. And I don't know who to blame or who to point fingers at. Coaching, development, the players themselves. I'm sure it's a combination of all of it. But as we look at the New York Giants right now, heading into week two, there is no Andrew Thomas out there. It's a big problem. That's that's a massive problem against a team that we expected just I don't know ten hours ago to blow out.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I I made the prediction in our in our win by win record. I thought we both predicted them to win this game. That was an L for us. Um, but I also. Yeah, (laughs) I predicted they'd kill the Cardinals. You at least said they'd only slightly, or they it would be somewhat of a game. So I think you are tracking to be a little bit more right. (laughs) This is the craziness about the NFL, though, Nick. I would not be shocked if next week the Giants do blow out the Cardinals. I really wouldn't, because that's that's how much I think that they can put this kind of game behind them, if and only if they're healthy for it. And one way to not be healthy for it, is put your quarterback out there taking slamming hits for the whole second half, or put Andrew Thomas out there when he already has a hamstring injury. These are bad decisions. And again, I'm doubling down on this, but I don't care. It's the main point for me right now. Um, this is what bothered me. And you made a good point. Like it's the first time I've ever felt really, you know, the f- compelled, re- you know, compelled to rant about this coaching staff. So I haven't really cared. Like other people have been pissed at times about the cor- play calling, or you know. The Dory thing pissed us off, but not to a crazy extent. There's been some some conservative fourth down decisions, I think, in the past last year, but yeah. nothing to this extent. Like I just can never get over playing the guys and blowout losses, especially guys that are already injured, like Thomas was.
2: I'm right there with you, especially when you have your newly paid quarterback out there, like getting just teed off on teed by off. these cowboys ba- back backups. These cowboys backups are sitting there dabbing each other up, like we're gonna get a payday. We're they're piling their stats on in your right. homes. You know how just that is such a demoralizing loss. There's no way to rationalize it. It is one of the biggest black eyes the New York Giants could have suffered in Week One. They just suffered. They got punched directly in the face. They got KO'd. They got knocked out. Now they need to regroup, travel across the country, and play a team that they're going to be favored against more than likely. And if they lose that game, like we said a little earlier, holy crap, man! That's that sky falling type shit. I
1: don't know what the line's going to be on that game now. I thought uh, probably, yeah, yeah probably would have opened the the Washington Football Team at home were seven point favorites over arizona they did not cover that i believe no, then i didn't cover that they won by three um or four i think it was and so the giants might have opened as like but on the road probably would have opened as like five and a half six maybe probably three gonna won. be down to like three and a half four for the giants favored by this game if not less it might be a three or a two and a half it's we'll we'll have to see how vegas treats this 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 matchup but you know it's it's the, it's a deflating loss to say the least
2: one thing before we get out of here, Dan, I w- just because you and I have talked about this a lot in the past with Daniel Jones, and I'm not trying to make any excuses. This was devastatingly bad, and Daniel Jones didn't play well, and he had some boneheaded decisions, but the loss isn't on Daniel Jones. No. We have said before that Daniel Jones has struggled throwing in wet conditions and windy conditions and in bad weather. How much credence do you put into that? Not on the pure fact that the Giants lost this football game, but just because the offense looked so out of sorts all throughout the game.
1: It's a good question, Nick. I want to watch the film to have like a better feeling on this, but I'll say this: I would put very little for this specific game just from my memory of the broadcast. What we just watched, so I feel like he didn't have a lot of throws really in this game. Um, there were some bad decisions that he had with the Paris Campbell one, but that was like it was just one was a little short. but But again, it was like it was it wasn't like oh my God, this ball just came out so bad on this point. And I thought the throw to Waller on the run where it looked like he was going to scramble and run with it and he popped back, changed his arm slot, and threw the ball to Waller. That was a really good throw uh, to Waller on that one. I thought that was a good job by him. And I didn't feel like, you know, again, like it's another Giants game that goes by without a deep shot, which is tough to – it's not not fun. They had it dialed up. They had it dialed up. They did, I,
2: I saw the plays where you can look at the top of the screen, you
1: see the stutter and the go. And then Daniel Jones, just like the next thing, you know, he had to time. run for his life. Yeah. And that's, you know, what people have said in the past, Nick, which, and this is not talking about him throwing the football, but what people have said in the past is, you know, the real issue with the giants, not executing a deep passing game is that they don't have time in the pocket. And this was a good example of that. You know, like there've been times on film in the past where that wasn't always the case. Seattle, Washington last year, there were deep shots to be had that weren't an issue of time in the pocket. This was not that, you know, this was simply like you said, this was, there was no option to throw deep in this game. The offensive line and pass protection was that bad in this game, that there simply was no option for Daniel Jones. So this game, I don't put on Daniel Jones that much, to be honest. We'll go, we'll go back to the film and figure that out for sure. But that that would be my Yeah, Yeah, I'm right there with you, bro. Yeah. All right. And I know I promised we would get to some Kafka stuff. We'll do that on the film breakdown this week. So, cause we don't have time for that tonight, but thank you so much for tuning into this live big blend, big shoe judging on how this one went. This is probably going to be a weekly thing for us. I saw at one point we had over 600 people watching on the stream, which is awesome. If We can get to that number every time. That's, and thank you by the way, for doing that. Thank you to everyone who donated to the show. What we'll do on these shows is it'll be similar to our reaction pod from last year where we just react to the game quick takeaways, but we'll also, answer questions for anyone who donates to the show and supports the show. So I think that's a fair way to do it and it's good for everybody here. Um, So thank you for supporting the show. Keep it locked and loaded. This week, we're going to do some stuff with the film. We don't know yet what we're going to do. We'll discuss that, Nick and I. Um, we want to make it something you'll be interested in because I doubt you want to hear about every single play on film in this game. It's certainly uh, not not the best film that we're going to watch this year, we hope, for the Giants. But, yeah, keep it locked and loaded. We'll also have some other content coming this week as well. So thanks a lot. Have a great rest of your week. And I have to say this next because Maybe it'll change something, but no Giants.